Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. I am still joined by my tag team partner from Monday Night Raw, Kevin Patrick. KP, the draft is officially in the books. It has come to its completion. It has drawn to a close. And as promised, the WWE landscape looks extremely different than it did just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but the landscape in your household's about to look a lot different, buddy. <laughs> Congratulations, Papa Graves. We're not going to start anywhere else. We've got to start with you, your lovely wife, Carmela. Congratulations. Hope she's feeling well and new Baba on the way. Thank you so much. It's uh, exciting news. I'm glad I can finally stop trying to uh, hide it from everybody. It's been a tough couple of weeks. Everyone asks, hey, where's Carmela? How's Carmela? She's great. She's just not here, and I'm not allowed to tell you why. So the news is out. Everybody's happy. Everybody's healthy. Uh, it's definitely an exciting break from the monotony of day-to-day life. Uh, Big things headed our way. I'm a blessed man. I'm a very, very grateful man. I've got a lovely wife. I've got an amazing group of kids who are excited to welcome a new addition. So thank you. Thank you, KP. And thank you to everybody. My social media has literally not stopped. I've been able to scroll nonstop for like three days now without seeing the same thing twice. Just kind of waiting until the storm blows by before I drop an official thank you to everybody who's left us well wishes or messages or DMs or text messages. Uh, I, I honestly could never reply to all of the the wonderful uh, messages I've gotten if, if I spent the rest of my life doing so. So I'll just hit you all with one big blanket thank you. You know, the love was flowing backstage on Monday Night Raw. I mean, everywhere you walked, everybody was stopping you, shaking your hand, giving you a hug. Uh, I'm sure it was overwhelming on the day itself, getting prepared for a show. You were probably hiding out in TVL, were you? Keeping the head sure down for was. a while. <laughs> Sure was. <laughs> and so listen, I'm, I'm, I'm on the way to get the Uber the next morning to head back to my house. And I see this video posted online from Carmela telling your kids the news. And man, I started bawling, crying, Grace. That was one of the most beautiful sights. Tell me you shed a tear as well. Oh my God. Well, I was holding the camera. So I had to, you know, keep my tears held in at least until I hit the, the stop record button. Uh, yeah, we we actually had that little plan in mind as, as to how we were going to tell the kids. We had to tell them in some sort of creative fashion. Uh, and we figured we'd lift their spirits just in case they weren't super excited about the idea. Not that there was really much doubt, but uh, hit them all with some new sneakers and and then drop the drop the good news on them. Uh, yeah, man, I, I was I was blessed. The amount of tweets and texts that I got that just said, I'm not crying, you're crying. Is somebody cutting onions in here over and over and over again? Uh, I'm talking full grown men, people who we work with, who are some of the toughest men on the planet, sending me messages going, man, that, that really got to me. Uh, it, it was, it was a beautiful moment. I'm glad I, I was actually able to capture it. I'm really terrible with capturing important moments, uh, in my life. So this go round, I'm going to make a, a concerted effort to be a little more present, do things, uh, 100% all the time. It got me thinking though. You know, you're, you are, I often say it about you, crunchy on the outside, you're soft on the inside, beautiful video film there with your gorgeous three kids watching on. But as a father, you brought those three young kids to scream? Are you serious? Well, two of them, two of them, my, my oldest okay. and my youngest. My, my eight-year-old is the most well-adjusted eight-year-old on the planet Earth, and she loves, loves, loves horror movies. What? Loves horror movies. She voluntarily watches horror movies on a regular basis. She loves Poltergeist. Uh, and she's been asking me about Scream. She has been asking, not my oldest son, who you might imagine would take an interest in such a thing, but but my uh, my eight year old. She's a little Scream queen in the making. Yeah, they had a great time. And and, and Carmela took my my middle daughter to go see uh, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which I think is a little more apropos for someone of that age range. My my thirteen year old daughter is exactly what you would expect a thirteen year old daughter to to be. She's into girly things and pop culture, etc. My little one, she's the one we got to keep an eye on. Yeah, she's a little Kayla Braxton, <laughs> obsessed with the horror flicks. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, 
We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Let's get into the draft, shall we? Yeah, it's let's. a busy let's night on Monday night. Now that, we've, now that we've taken the ample amount of time to uh, talk about old gravy being crunchy on the outside, soft on the inside, we're done. That's it. You're killing my gimmick. So let's talk about the draft. As we mentioned, everything looks very, very different. Reminder, the draft goes into effect this coming Monday. Or if you're watching ATB on the official WWE YouTube channel, that's this morning. If you're listening to it Friday, as you should, you are the most well-informed of the WWE universe as we prepare for backlash this coming Saturday, San Juan, Puerto Rico. We've got Damian Priest in the house. Damian's going to chat with us about his massive matchup with Bad Bunny. We'll get to backlash in a minute. But first things first, KP, in the wake of the draft, what stands out to you most? What got you excited? What broke your heart a little bit? And I need a dark horse pick. I need a, a sleeper pick from KP. Okay, so the, the emotional side of things first and foremost, because again, backstage, we're in TVL, we're hanging out with certain people. And I know you and I were both gutted to see Bobby Lashley leave Monday Night Raw for SmackDown. That's one that hit us hard. On the flip side, though, and I don't know these guys at all, but I am buzzing to get Imperium on Monday Night Raw. Gunther, Vinci, Kaiser, what, what they've been doing over the past year um, and beyond ha- has been exceptional, has been captivating. When they're on the TV screen, I-, I don't go anywhere. You know, I'm glued to what they're doing. And I remember yourself and Vic talking about it here on ATB a long time ago, that old-fashioned bruiser approach of Gunter is just so unbelievably exciting to see. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing to see them. I'm, I'm really happy Drew McIntyre is back on Monday Night Raw. Drew's just a cracking fella, brilliant guy, and uh, great to have him around. So in terms of the dark horse picks... I think in the sheer, okay, coming back to Monday Night Raw uh, is one I'm excited about. And also, Grayson Waller to SmackDown, it took a while, but Grayson's brilliant. Grayson's deadly. He's exactly what you want. And I know there's another duo that you're pretty pumped to see head across to, uh, to SmackDown. This is one of my biggest personal disappointments. I'm personally very excited for them as talents, as human beings, but pretty deadly headed to Friday Night SmackDown. Trust me, I sing their praises on this podcast all the time. If you're not familiar, you'll get familiar. I think pretty deadly are going to be mega stars on the blue brand. I agree with you on the Bobby Lashley aspect. And this is one of those things we talked last week about how the draft affects a lot more in WWE, especially our day-to-day lives, than it does uh, what you just see on your screen. Bobby is a staple of our locker room. We look forward every week to seeing Bobby come in dressed to the nines, still maybe the best dressed dude in the business. Bobby walking in looking like a million bucks, just that smile is infectious and, and the vibe Bobby brings to the locker room. So that will definitely be missed. The same thing for the rated R superstar edge. I know how much time you and I, and, and how much we have both been able to learn having him in the locker room on a regular basis. Uh, I'm sure we'll still see him from time to time, but it's not the same as having that casual every week. You don't have to catch up on everything. You just catch up, catch up with the last week. Uh, I'm a little bummed to see Austin Theory head to Friday Night SmackDown. I understand it. Just as excited as I am about having Gunther and the Intercontinental Championship come to Monday Night Raw, I agree with everything you said. I am excited, and I think Monday Night Raw might be an even better fit for Gunther and Imperium because of the amount of time available. Gunther is not a superstar that you see come out and have a three or four minute match or a one seg match very regularly. Gunther is an artist such that he requires time to tell the story. And every time we've seen Gunther have ample time to tell a story, you walk away buzzing about it, right? Whether it be Sheamus, whether it be Drew, whether it be insert opponent here, when Xavier Woods, for goodness sake, uh, Gunther get in, getting in the ring and, and just tearing it down with time on a three-hour show, I feel like we're probably going to get that a little bit more regularly. And I think that's really exciting for fans of Gunther and fans of throwback, old-school wrestling. Smash mouth, in your face, what Gunther brings to the table. And you can't overlook Vinci and Kaiser and what they bring together. Remember, these guys were former NXT Tag Team Champions. Now on Monday Night Raw, you've got another bona fide, legitimate tag team in Vinci and Kaiser, should they so choose to take that path. So that's really exciting. But I am bummed out that Austin Theory is headed to Friday Night SmackDown. 
I'm sure he's going to kill it there. I'm sure he's going to continue his meteoric rise to the top of the business. Austin Theory is the future of WWE. I believe it in my core. I know a lot of people do. Some people may not yet. But a few years down the line, you're going to be able to play this back and be like, oh, yeah, I remember Corey Graves was telling us this years ago. We should have listened. It's a sort of a recurring theme in my life, even here on ATB. I agree with you on Grayson Waller being the, the sleeper pick. I was getting a little nervous, yeah, especially since I picked him in my mock draft. I picked him, what, top five? You picked him third. Yeah, and, and he fell to the, to the very bottom of the draft pool. He was drafted after Monday Night Raw on, uh, on Raw Talk. But again, I, I think if anything, I actually spoke to, to Carmella about this because the year she was drafted, I believe it was 2016, she was the final pick of the entire draft from NXT. And I asked her, I said, you know, how did that make you feel? And she said that it lit a fire. It made her feel as though she had twice as much to prove to show you. I'm, I'm, I'm the last draft pick. Okay, cool. I'm Mr. Irrelevant, Ms. Irrelevant, uh, you know, in NFL terms. And she said that she knew she had to work twice as hard to make people realize that she deserved better than being the, the final overall pick. And I, the little bit that I know Grayson Waller personally, I feel like that's exactly what he's going to do. He knows what he's capable of. He's eager to show the world and he's going to take whatever little opportunity comes his way and make it happen. Yeah, no, big time. Without question. He said as much already in the interview. He said, I have a chip on my shoulder and I'm going to bring that to Friday Night Smackdown. Gravy, let's play fantasy here for a second. WWE, now that the draft has taken place, who does all Gravy want to see match up against the likes of Gunter? Do you want to see Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns on Friday nights? Where's your head at? Oh my God. I'm, I'm looking at the, the draft list. We have a little cheat sheet in front of us and it's actually tough to decide because there are a whole litany of new fresh matchups, maybe some matchups. I'm actually, I know they've competed against one another on WWE television, but I want to see Nakamura and Gunther again with a lot of time. Nakamura, we haven't seen him in a while. And I sort of alluded to it on Monday night raw when Miz was doing his terrible Pat McAfee impression inside the ring with the, the fiddle or Are you or praising McAfee, by the way. Hey, listen, I, I'll give credit where it's due. Pat at least did his own thing and he did it well and he did it first. So Miz was slightly less than, but Nakamura went to Japan, had the match where he defeated his hero, the great Muda. We haven't really seen much of Nakamura. We'll see him tonight. If you're listening on Friday, uh, allegedly as it's scheduled versus carry and cross on SmackDown, Shinsuke's final SmackDown appearance. I'm excited to see what Shinsuke does this run. He's had a little bit of time away uh, and, and absence tends to make the heart grow fonder. This is a guy who won the Royal Rumble match several years ago, a guy who was a perennial contender for any championship. And then I, I don't want to say lost his way, but maybe Shinsuke, Shinsuke got a little lost in the shuffle. I think this is a big opportunity for Shin just on a personal note, because I've been a fan of his since he was a full-timer in Japan. I, I used to steal his stuff when I was in NXT. Uh, I think this is a really big chance for Shinsuke to remind people what he is capable of. And yes, he can be entertaining. Yes, he can be a little silly. But when Shinsuke is in full-blown Shinsuke mode, when he is the king of strong style, that rock star, that artist, the sky's the limit. And I think we'll be seeing some big things from Nakamura on this run. Uh, but elsewhere, man, look on the Friday night side of things. Think of the new faces that LA Knight's going to get to mix it up with. Uh, you know, LA Knight and Austin Theory. That's a cool matchup Dude, right I, there. That's, that's where I was going to go. You know, I, I mean, who who knows how things are going to play out. We could sit here all, all day and, and fantasy book and uh, wish and hope and dream. I will say, while I agreed with your dark horse pick of uh, Grayson Waller, I think we need to keep eyes on Zoe Stark from Monday Night Raw. It was sort of a quiet pick. It's sort of, there was so much happening and it's easy to get swept under the rug in, in an event like this where so many colossal names are moving. Zoe is somebody who in NXT has excelled and from a, an in-ring perspective, maybe the best of the NXT crew as far as the women's division goes, as far as just in-ring ability. Man, that girl can go. And she and I have had conversations. You know, I've been working with the NXT talent on trying to help sort of develop their personalities and, and what we see on television. And she feels a little stuck because she's not a woman you can throw a label on or wrap up in a nice little package, which, you know, for your, your purposes and mine, Kevin, as announcers, that's what we look for is how do we, how do we present this? How do we sell this package? So I think it may take a little bit of molding, maybe a little bit of time to really find her footing. But I think Zoe Stark's one to keep an eye on in the women's division for sure. What's your advice for any NXT superstar that's now heading up to Raw or SmackDown? Make your own opportunity. 
And that's what this is. This is of the utmost importance. Whether you're an NXT superstar who just got drafted up, maybe you're someone who's on the on the free agent list. We talk about it here all the time, how the only constant in WWE is change. It sounds terrible to say, but injuries happen. Injuries are going to happen. There are going to be circumstances, people, you know, life circumstances. People need time off for, for whatever reason that may be. Always be ready and be ready to step up and say yes to everything. And that's not just to the NXT talent. That's an old adage in this business, especially as pertains to this company. There have been stories told over the years of, hey, do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? Have you ever done this? Have you ever ridden a motorcycle? Even if you haven't, you say yes. And you figure it out on the weekend. Because you have a few days, you call somebody, hey, man, do you have a motorcycle I can rent? I got to learn how to do this. Whatever that may be, say yes, figure it out. Because you may be one tiny opportunity away from truly life-changing money and more opportunity. And I take, I say that to everybody who's still in NXT who didn't get drafted, everybody who's been drafted up, and even some of the main roster talent who have maybe not tasted the success that they've been looking for yet. A change of scenery can mean the world because an, an opportunity comes up. Oh, hey, this was scheduled. We were planning on going here. Well, this changed. That person got drafted. This is no longer an option. Just be ready for everything. Take it. If you don't like it, Put a smile on your face and do it to the best of your ability. Do what you have to do so that you can do what you want to do. Gravy, let me throw out a couple of names that really stand out to me as superstars that have grabbed an opportunity and maybe surpassed the expectations that were set over the previous months that might be that shining example for NXT superstars coming up. Chelsea Green, number one. I think LA Knight was right here on After the Bell with us and spoke about some of the struggles, spoke about the opportunities that he didn't feel were going his way. But then when he got his opportunity, what did he do? He grabbed it. Bronson Reed is another great example of someone who's burst onto the scene of late. And now he's in the conversation and, and, and in a title opportunity against Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory, right? So like the, these are the guys that have had opportunities. And there's others who haven't quite frankly, grab that opportunity like like the likes of Bronson, Chelsea, and, uh, and LA Knight. Those three for me really stand out. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of those. Uh, Bronson Reed may very well come back to Monday Night Raw this coming week as the new United States champion. The opportunity sitting in front of him at Backlash, triple threat match, Austin Theory, Bobby Lashley, Bronson Reed. Who knows how that's going to shake out? Opportunity is the word of the week. Uh, right now is it's the word on everybody's lips. And, and again, whether it be a, a top tier superstar who just changed brands, you got Bobby Lashley who would love another crack at Roman Reigns. You know, Edge, I would imagine, is still thinking about, hey, you know, my, my run's coming closer to its its end, to its conclusion. Maybe Edge wants another crack at Roman Reigns. Well, he hasn't held a championship and he said as much. That's the reason he went after Austin Theory in the United States Championship was because he said coming back after that long, long absence, I want gold in my life again. This is why I'm coming back here to return and, and tell everybody and show everybody that I can be at the at the very top. So you're, you're spot on. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Edge goes after Roman Reigns. Yeah, I'm very curious. And all we can do is wait. And we will, I'm sure, begin to witness the chips fall into place this coming Monday when the draft rosters take effect. But before we get there, take a little detour down to the island of Puerto Rico, WWE Backlash, this coming Saturday, WWE on Peacock, hosted by Bad Bunny, also featuring Bad Bunny in a matchup against Damian Priest, who will be joining us in a matter of moments. But as we look across the landscape of what awaits this Saturday at Backlash, it feels like we're in a sort of a weird vortex because all the stories that have led up to this moment will either be resolved or maybe never reach a resolution this Saturday because the roster's split. There are a lot of rivalries that won't be able to be continued and things are going to look very, very differently. So this almost feels like sort of a one-off, like a very special attraction pay-per-view, but it is loaded with attractions. What stands out to you off the top of your head? Well, well, to your point about the, the draft afterward, LWO going one direction, Judgment Day going the other. So is that resolved right here and now? Brock Lesnar is a free agent. Brock Lesnar could devour Cody Rhodes. Brock Lesnar could leave and decide, you know what? I come back whenever I want. And we know he does what he wants. You say it every time you see Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar does whatever Brock Lesnar wants to do. Um, so you're absolutely spot on here. The landscape is completely shifting. This is the final night, Saturday night, before the new rosters take place on Monday. 
And you don't want to be on the wrong end of a match and, and left with an awful lot of doubt about your future. You know, we could see Cody Rhodes in that situation. If it does not go his way, if it goes Cody's way, sure, that could catapult him right back into that conversation. He could be going after Roman Reigns again. What if Cody loses here? What if Cody slips up and he gets beaten? And that's a great point. Pulp by Brock Lesnar. It's, it's a, a very valid point. And I would do you one better that it's not just Cody that has to concern himself with that, with that perception. This is essentially, you can't win the game at Backlash, but you can lose it. If that makes any yeah, sense. Great point. If you're a, a Cody Rhodes or a Brock Lesnar or Seth Rollins or Omas, and think about this. We're hearing all this conversation, all this chatter about crowning a new world heavyweight champion. There's going to be a tournament. We're still waiting for the details of all that. But you know there are a few obvious players who are looking to throw their hat in the ring. I, I, I don't think I'm spoiling anything. I don't know any of this to be factual at this moment. But you'd have to imagine Rollins is in the conversation. Cody Rhodes is in the conversation. Drew uh, McIntyre. McIntyre, maybe Shinsuke. I don't know why Gunther wouldn't throw his hat in the ring. Uh, there's a lot. But what you don't want is coming out of backlash with a massive L on your forehead. If you're Seth Rollins and you go in there with Omos and you get destroyed, the rest of the year, there's no shame in being destroyed by Omos. This Saturday, there's no shame in being destroyed by the Nigerian giant. However, if you're Rollins and you have your sights set on the championship, that's going to knock you down a peg. That's going to knock you down a peg, not only in the eyes of WWE officials, but in the perception of the WWE universe. You need somebody who's a hot hand, who's a believable. You got Cody, who's still red hot in the wake of WrestleMania. The WWE universe was, is, will be still disappointed for forever based on the outcome of that one particular match. But Cody got himself up dusted himself off and picked a fight with the most decorated combat athlete in history, which, well, I'm not going to lean to, uh, I'm not going to indulge you in my thoughts on Cody's mentality as far as doing just that, but you understand why Cody couldn't get that job done. So he said, I'm going to take the next biggest challenge I can possibly find. I'm going to fight Brock Lesnar and I may find myself in a broken bloodied heap in the Island of Puerto Rico, but Let's say, let, okay, before we, I'm, I'm not going to gloss over this anymore, KP. Let's talk about this. I was going to try to save it for a little bit later, but let's talk about this. Do you in your heart of hearts believe that Cody Rhodes has what it takes to beat Brock Lesnar Saturday? Let me start by saying I don't believe Cody Rhodes had a better option than walking away from Brock Lesnar. After what happened at WrestleMania, if Cody Rhodes is that unsuspecting victim and gets beaten to a pulp, as I mentioned, by Brock Lesnar the night after WrestleMania and decides not to go after Brock, what does that do for Cody? in the eyes of all his fans around the world, that you're just going to shy away and let this bully get away with it? Cody had to respond. He had to stand up to Brock Lesnar. Is it the wisest thing to do? Absolutely not. But he said that himself. He said, I'm scared of Brock Lesnar, but I'm still going to fight Brock Lesnar. And that's the Cody that we know and love. And all the fans around the world understand that. And they're with him every step of the way. Cody had a plan on Monday night. And he knocked Brock Lesnar down. He, he, he did. Brock, Brock scrambled from the, from the ring, smiling, granted. And Cody said, like, let me earn it. So you have to admire Cody. But a loss here could be devastating, quite honestly. Given all the momentum building up to WrestleMania, Cody finishing the story. A loss here and Brock walking away and Brock doing whatever he wants back on his farm. Man, where does Cody go from there? So do I believe it? Of course I do. You know I'm an optimist. And I believe in Cody Rhodes. I believe in every, when he speaks, I listen and I'm all in on everything he's saying. Of course I believe, but that's my heart. And my head is saying this is a bad idea because the beast incarnate built different. I, I agree with pretty much every word you just said. Sentimentally, I, I want to see Cody pull it off. In my, for my friend, Cody Rhodes, for a man I have a great deal of respect for and admiration for, I want to see Cody succeed at Backlash. But this is Brock Lesnar we're talking about. Brock Lesnar, who is, in my eyes, from my point of view, trophy hunting right now. That's what Brock is doing with Cody Rhodes. He's going, oh, you're, that's the guy that was at WrestleMania with Roman and couldn't get the job done? Oh, I want his head on my wall. That's all Brock does. That's, that's what Brock lives for. But what we did see on Raw was that right hand from Cody dropped Lesnar. And if you look back to Brock's MMA career, not his WWE career, there is one thing that throws the beast off his game. And that is being punched repeatedly in the face. And that's not, that's not unique to Brock Lesnar. That's an old adage, the Mike Tyson adage. Everyone's got a plan until you get hit in the mouth. But Lesnar, after taking some clean shots to the face, 
in his MMA career did not respond well. And we saw Cody do it again on Monday with that right hand that dropped Brock and made Brock bleed his own blood. And that's got to give you a little bit of hope. And honestly, as much as I like to pick one side or another, I'm just going to have to watch and see how this one unfolds. But do you, do you get the sense that Cody's going to need a different plan? Like, I'm, I'm thinking Cody Cutter, Crossroads. I, I just can't imagine him executing that on the beast. Okay, P, no doubt about it. Lesnar and Rhodes is going to be a physical mismatch, but it may not be the biggest physical mismatch on the Backlash card this Saturday. We referenced it earlier. Seth freaking Rollins versus the Nigerian giant Omos. You're grinning from ear to ear just hearing me talk about it. What, what do you see coming out of this? Because it's must-see. It's truly must-see. Two superstars that are so unbelievably diametrically opposed in the way they act, in the way they are in the ring. And what is this concoction going to look like? How is this going to come together? I have no clue. You, you know, Seth is a genius at everything he does. The, the, the mind manipulation of Solo Sokoa on Monday night was, was incredible to behold in the moment for you and I. Um, and now going up against a fella who is emotionless, Omos. Does Omos get rattled in any way? How does Seth get him off his feet? Like, there's so many questions heading into a match like this. Um, and and it, you and I are in the car recently, and I asked you about Rollins and then Omos. And all of a sudden, a throwback came up. And, and you came up with how this match would relate to maybe, you know, 20 odd years ago. Tell the folks. To me, this is sports entertainment in its purest form. You've got the David and Goliath aspect of it, right? Which that just translates to human beings. The, the, you have the underdog. And it's crazy at this point in his career to look at Seth Rollins as an underdog in any scenario. But physically speaking, we're dealing with Omos, who is, you heard, we heard MVP say it on this very show, MVP believes Omos has a higher upside than many of the giants of yesteryear that have, have graced this business. This matchup, can't, it was announced out of the blue. Rollins himself responded with a, wait, what? I think it was the Jim Carrey uh, Ace Ventura. All righty then. I guess that's what we're doing at Backlash. I had a very similar response. I was scrolling through Twitter and I went, oh, that's, wait, did I miss that? Did we announce that? What is happening? It seems like it doesn't make any sense, but the thing is, it doesn't have to. It's got like a general human interest. And much like I said, ad nauseum in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, when Omas faced Brock Lesnar, there's an inherent human curiosity about what Omas does. It's different because you had these, two, it was like watching two dinosaurs collide at WrestleMania, these two super heavyweights with Brock and Omas. What is this going to look like? These guys may flatten the earth. Now you've got Rollins, who for all intents and purposes should not be in that same conversation from a physical perspective. This reminds me of days of, of yours to really date myself, the old days. I don't even people say the days of your anymore. I think I, I might be the only one. This is probably the last time in the English language anybody will say that. Omas is a bona fide giant. That human curiosity, you've got, he's got your attention. Rollins, especially in this form, is like from outer space. And this is what I love about this business, about sports entertainment, and why it's so much more than just pro wrestling. JBL and I sat in TV locker on Monday, and we were watching some old classic wrestling matches from England, from all over the world, pro wrestling. And this is why it's such a big deal when we differentiate that we at WWE are more than pro wrestling. We are pro wrestling plus. We are sports entertainment. Wrestling means two guys in trunks out there exchanging holds and doing moves, and that's okay. It's fine. You can watch it. You can learn a lot from a technical perspective, a technical aspect. Uh, Mr. Regal was in the locker room, and that's what we were discussing, just some of the greats and their execution of the little things, the in-between things from an in-ring wrestling perspective, all very valuable. But then you fast forward to where we are now in society as fans of WWE, as a WWE universe. If Seth Rollins comes to the ring in a pair of blue trunks and black boots and just has a really good wrestling match, people will appreciate it. But that's not what Seth is. That's not what Seth has become. He's evolved into so much more. He is a rock star. He is, he is from outer space. I want to watch television that involves people doing stuff and people that I don't run into on an everyday basis, right? And, and I'm, I'm speaking in a different perspective because I do get to work with WWE where we live in outer space, basically. <laughs> everybody, everybody we work with is an alien. But from a fan's perspective, to see the flamboyance and the singing and, and hearing the crowd, 
that's what makes a WWE superstar versus a pro wrestler. If you get paid to have a wrestling match, technically you're a pro wrestler. You're not a superstar. And that's what Rollins has really embodied that energy, that vibe of when his music hits and he captivates an arena and he captivates people around the world heading to Paris. We mentioned it on raw, the video that's been all over social media. He has captivated the WWE universe because he's not like a guy you see every day. It's more like seeing David Bowie or Elton John. I was just going to say Elton John. Crazy flamboyant mega stars. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny is, if you see him perform, I mean, you see him in WWE, but if you see him on stage, the guy is not like your neighbor who happens to be a good singer. He's got a persona. He's got swagger. He's got charisma. That's what people gravitate to. And that's what Rollins is in the process of creating for himself. So you've got Rocket Man versus the giant from outer space. It's just a kind of a beautiful, quintessential sports entertainment matchup. And either way it goes, if, if Omas wins, it's the biggest win of his career, period. Despite all the things he's done, despite being in the ring with Brock at WrestleMania, if Omas beats Rollins, that's game-changing for the career trajectory of Omas. With that said, Rollins needs this. Does he? Rollins needs this. He needs to beat Omas, particularly if he wants the WWE Universe to still believe in him as the guy who should be the new world heavyweight champion. Rollins needs that momentum, that big landmark win to hang his hat. Because think about this. We talked about it. We talk about it a lot here. Over the last year or so, for all the incredible matches and moments and memories that Seth freaking Rollins has given us, he hasn't had a ton of big W's. The trilogy with Cody, it, it earned Seth all the fanfare and all the respect. People going, God, these matches are so good. We just want to see him do what he does. But Seth didn't win. Seth needs some big-time victory. Seth got the big win at WrestleMania over Logan Paul. That was huge. He needed that. I dare say this matchup is more important for Seth Rollins than it is Omos. It's funny because Seth freaking Rollins was picked number one in our mock draft here on ATB, right? I picked him. If I didn't pick him, you were picking him, right? So that will tell you everything about Seth freaking Rollins, the superstar, because you're talking about how he needs a victory. This is wins and losses we're talking about now. But in the category of WWE superstars, He's number one for Raw or SmackDown in our minds. And I think that says an awful lot. I don't, I disagree with you in the sense that I don't think he needs it. I don't think Seth freaking Rollins for me, if he loses this match against Omos, I think he's still firmly fixed on that World Heavyweight Championship and he still could very well go on to be the World Heavyweight Champion at Night of Champions, end of May. I agree with you, but I will counter with this. If for some reason Seth doesn't beat Omos, but then Seth goes on a month from now or however many weeks and somehow becomes world heavyweight champion, which I'm not saying it's a foregone conclusion. It just seems to be, he's the one with the most interest right now. He's the hot hand from the fans perspective. If Rollins loses to Omos at backlash, he's always got Omos standing over his shoulder. Omos can say, you didn't beat me and it will eat at Seth Rollins and it will make Rollins nuts. And Rollins won't be able to sleep until he slays that giant. Much like why Roman Reigns has such a problem with Seth Rollins. Roman's the first overall pick, understandably so. Brilliant, understand, don't argue, don't disagree. But you heard Rollins bring it up on Raw two weeks ago. Roman Reigns still has not beat Seth Rollins. So as long as Seth is around, until Roman beats Rollins, he's got that hanging over his head, hanging over his shoulder. And Rollins could have that same issue, except in a much larger form in Omos if Seth doesn't beat Omos at Backlash. Did that make sense? No, 100%. Very true. Gravy, let's touch on the women's championships because both are up for grabs here at Backlash. Two physical mismatches as well as Omos and Seth Rollins. Rhea Ripley taking on Zelina Vega. Bianca Belair up against EO Sky. If you were to pick one upset from the two, which one would you pick and why? I'm going to go with EO. I think EO has been really, really uh, doing great work recently. And I think EO, those of us who, who remember EO in NXT and knew what a dominant champion she was and, and why people really bought in and were excited for her arrival in damage control. I think EO of the three has probably been lost in the mix the most. And this is a great opportunity for EO to show what she's capable of. 
Bianca, you can't bet against her. You just can't do it. And I would not put money on this. But if you ask you ask me who has the better chance of, of an upset, I think EO over Bianca. And let's be honest, Zelina is wildly talented. She's very entertaining. We're talking about Rhea Ripley. Rhea is on a different planet right now. And, and physical mismatch, th- that matters in this one. We've seen how many times Rhea has ripped Zelina up with ease into the riptide position. And Zelina's had a few counters, but just that quick. Rhea's got that game-changing power. The hope for Zelina Vega here is that Puerto Rico will be totally and utterly behind her. And chatting with Zelina Vega for a few minutes the other day, she spoke to me about how her family, you know, all from Puerto Rico, all from San Juan. Um, She's been back there so many times, but she's never wrestled in Puerto Rico. This is for a very first time. So for her, hopefully it's that Sami Zayn Elimination Chamber Montreal vibe where the, the entire crowd can get behind Zelina Vega and maybe help carry Zelina to, to the biggest win of her career and becoming SmackDown Women's Champion. I mean, we can dream, can't we, KP? We can all dream. Let me ask you this. I mean, we're talking about Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest. Priest going to be joining us in a matter of seconds. Damian Priest is of Puerto Rican heritage. Bad Bunny is of Puerto Rican heritage. Are they going to split the crowd? Are you going to root against Damian Priest? Or is he going to be... I'm just saying that logic where you're like, oh, we're in Puerto Rico. The Puerto Rican fans are going to reach for the Puerto Rican competitors. You got to split. I would think from afar that everybody's going to be behind Bad Bunny, but you just never know. Folks may take the Damian Priest and absolutely love everything he's doing with the Judgment Day and the fact that he's going up against Bad Bunny. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to get your thoughts afterward from being on the commentary desk with Michael Cole and just getting the sense of who's really behind Damian Priest here. Or is there anybody going to be behind him? Because the story runs deep here with Damian Priest and Bad Bunny and both from Vega Baja, uh, which is a, a, a town just down the road close to the beach, uh, close to San Juan. And I mentioned it on Monday Night Raw, and we can speak to Priest about this, the family connections between the two and just how bitter it's gotten between the two. Well, you're excited to get my thoughts. I'm excited to get Mr. Priest's. Please welcome to After the Bell, the punishment of the Judgment Day, the man who will stand toe-to-toe with Bad Bunny at Backlash, Damian Priest. Delighted at this point to welcome in Damien Priest, rocking the sunglasses over in Puerto Rico and the country and the, the town, San Juan, very close to where you were raised, Damien, from a very young age. What's it like to be there back in San Juan in the build-up to what to many is the biggest match of your career? Ah, uh, man, it's awesome. I got a view of the ocean right now. The sun's bright. It's hot. It's steaming. Uh, I love this place. <laughs> I love Puerto Rico, man, so much. It, I'm so happy to be back. Do you consider this the biggest match of your career? Yeah, it's the, the biggest, like, high-profile match of my career, obviously. You know, you're talking about it. We're, we're not just performing for WWE fans, you know. This is, like, it's crazy, the amount of attention that's on this match. So it's, it has to be the, the biggest match because of that reason alone. The first time we saw Bad Bunny inside a WWE ring, you were his tag team partner at WrestleMania. Compare the difference in the lead up to this as, as his opponent as versus his friend. Granted, this is the second time we've seen Bunny. He's not necessarily as brand new to the WWE universe, but you, Damian Priest, are in a very different position in your career and what you've been doing in the time since. How does this vary from the last time? Well, you know, the, the first time, I mean, you're talking about me having the concern to protect somebody and, and make sure that this celebrity uh, has a positive experience and, and doesn't get hurt. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm always his protector. And now it's, you know, I get to do me, you know, where I'm, my concern is me. And I'm going out there to be in a combat style situation with just having to watch my own back instead of somebody else's. So that's, honestly, it's business as usual for me. You know, this is what I do. You know, this is not what he does. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Talk to us a little bit about the last year and the evolution of Damien Priest since you initially joined up with Edge to form what is now known as the Judgment Day. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the influence that Edge had over you and just how you and the group have developed over the last year. Man, what a wild year. <laughs> Starting with Edge, you know, at last year's WrestleMania. Uh First of all, it was awesome, you know, just the, the comfort that came with working with, let's say, Edge at first, where he kind of instilled in me, is like, hey, this is to build you and make you the star that I know you can be, you know, and then having Rhea come in, and it was, that was the mentality, and just him getting us to be comfortable, just being ourselves instead of being something that anybody else wanted us to be. Um, and then, obviously, kicking him out of the group and Finn Balor joining and then Dominic, and now we're all, I mean, it's crazy how we started, it, it, Judgment Day doesn't even look the same from when it started. Um, you know, we were still trying to find our way, you know, and I think it was best case scenario for all of us to be in the group together because we all kind of helped each other. You know, we all leaned on each other, and we still do. Um, and today, I mean, you see the dynamic on TV. It's, there's no faking, there's no, how should I, it, it's, so smooth like we feel good every time we're always like joking around and laughing and like man this is great this is the dream this is what we wanted uh, out of you know like being in this business you want to be proud of everything you do you want to be happy with your performances you you know every experience should be positive and together like i said we lean on each other and we push each other to make sure that that's that's the case and uh going from like i said where we started where we were trying to figure out even our look, you know, and, and how we were going to present ourselves. So now who cares? You know, we, we act the way we want to act. If I feel like acting like a goofball today, I will. If I want to be super serious today, I will. Uh, and there's no wrong answer. And, and I think we all of us um, telling each other that and reminding each other of that makes it so much easier. You guys have gotten to that point. You guys have earned that cachet as a group to be able to be who you want to be, to be your most authentic selves now on Monday Night Raw. Talk to me a little bit about individually when you first joined up with Edge to be uh, to, to, to what would become the Judgment Day. You were a guy who had done some stuff. You had been United States champion. It wasn't like you were just this rookie, you know, or straight out of NXT. How did you handle going from in a position individually where you were sort of featured on your own, but maybe necessarily hadn't found the traction you were looking for? Did you have to swallow your pride at all? Or, or was it sort of a, okay, wait, no, just teach me. So that's the thing. It's like, I felt like I had success, but I, I don't know. It just, something wasn't clicking. Um, and, and I felt it. I know the WWE universe felt it. Uh, you know, it couldn't even explain it. And Edge approached me and with this idea and being as somebody who admired Edge before that, and I was a fan and, you know, I appreciated all his advice to me. It wasn't so much having to swallow my pride. I was like, this has got to be the way. This is, this is definitely going to work. I'm all in, you know? And I was like, yes, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes, you know? Let's, let's do this. And going, sitting under his learning tree, I mean, he, he's, this business, I mean, talking about somebody who's born for this. 
Um, and just the advice, like we, we almost talked just about every single day while we were in the judgment day together, um, where I would call him or he would just call me and we would just talk about just ideas or, you know, he'd be like, Hey, so what do you think? Which I thought was also cool. He wanted to hear my opinions and then him kind of putting that ball in my hands where I needed to be creative. Um, I guess that also helped because they could just get the creative juices flowing. And I, I was always trying to think of something new and something different and how do we present this and that. And I think by the time it came time to getting the rest of the members in the judgment day, uh, I was ready to just, you know, portray myself the way I wanted to and be comfortable in my own skin. Um, so it was definitely, that was the case when I joined him. It, it was all, I'm all in. And then going from that to then the boys and, and Rhea joining and to where we are now. This is wild, man. So it's like the Hall of Famer gave you the encouragement, but Edge hasn't been by your side for, for a long time now. And yet your growth has been astronomical the entire Judgment Day and then individually as well. What are those conversations like between yourself, Finn, Dom and Rhea backstage and, and together away from WWE and recognizing the growth and understanding the potential of the Judgment Day? That's the thing. It's like the, the difference. Would Judgment Day have worked with Edge still? Probably, but I don't know if it's the same. And, and I think he even admitted it in the ring. I don't know where this is. It's become better than what he imagined, you know, because yes, I learned a lot while we were with him and I asked him a million questions and, you know, we got that confidence, but then doing it on your own, you know, just jumping in the fire without help, you know, taking off the harness, you know, that, that, that I think was the biggest thing. And again, again, pushing each other. And now when we have those conversations, you know, it's kind of like, this is awesome. You know, like we don't need anybody's help now. You know, we, we could, we help each other. We push each other and, and we're always confident that we'll figure out the best way to handle any situation. You know, and, and th those are the conversations we have. It's, it's kind of like, so this week, you know, let's do it this way. Okay, uh, what if we add this? Sure. You know, and like, it, it's so cool. And then when we're done, we're always just laughing and giddy and high-fiving and being like, that was hilarious. You know, if we clown somebody or that was great stuff, man. Yo, great promo or, you know, great match. And, you know, like, just whatever. Um, and, and we're always excited. And that's... As long as we keep that vibe, I just feel like we can't fail. I think it's really cool how, as the Judgment Day has grown and evolved, you still have four very distinct personalities. It's not like you're all interchangeable. Each of you brings something different to the table. And I don't want to omit Dominic in this conversation because from where we sit, Dom has helped bring a whole different vibe to the Judgment Day. And you guys have all played off of it so well. It's really enhanced the three other characters just by the addition of Dom. Talk to me a little bit about what Dom has brought to the table in the judgment day. Man, that's spot on, man. Like we're all so different, um, like completely, which is crazy, but it works. Uh, and Dom, you know, I, I've said this where, you know, he was, he was in his dad's shadow when they were together. And then when he first joined the judgment day, it was still kind of, you know, he, he was in a shadow. He, not anymore. He's his own star on his own with, he doesn't need anybody's help. Um, and yeah, he brings a, a whole different, you know, just level of, well, level of heat for sure. Sure. No <laughs> doubt. Nuclear. Yeah. But it, it, uh, his, his style, his demeanor, it, it, it gives us the opportunity to feed off of something that's different and create something special. So he's helped us just as much as we've helped him. and. He's very important to the Judgment Day. Now, I don't know what the Judgment Day is like without him now. Like, with, without Dom, I, I, I say we're not as strong. I don't think we're as popular. I think he's definitely helped a lot, and he's grown as a performer. He's grown as a person. Uh, he's literally, and I say this about us, and I say, it, I say it all the time, and I guess it could go like, yeah, he's supposed to say that, but we're really like a family now. I mean, we talk all the time. I'm here in PR waiting for him to get here so we could hang out, you know, like that's the way we are now. We, and, and I, I'm as, as a friend, a brother, as a coworker, I am extremely proud of him. He's, it's cool to be there. Like I have the best seat in the house to watch him do his thing. And it's, it's special. I love it. I, I love it as well. And I think what, what 
how it benefits the rest of you in the judgment day has been it accents how individually different the three of you are yourself as the punishment of the judgment day. I, I've known you prior to WWE a little bit and I know who you were. And, and we've had this conversation on this, this uh, podcast about who Damian priest envisioned himself. Now it's easier to digest from a fan's perspective from where we sit. So you get Dom and Dom runs his mouth and everyone boos him to death. He gets into an interaction with bad bunny. Well, here comes priest to clean up the mess it's really added a different dimension to you as well as not to mention what the, the physicality of Rhea and, and Finn just being on another level. Take me back to that moment right after WrestleMania, when you put bad bunny through the announce table, did you realize as you were doing it, that this is where we were going, that this is what it was going to end up being this global pop culture phenomenon of, of Damien Priest of the judgment day, taking out the biggest music star in the world. Not in the moment. In the moment, I'm, I'm reacting to what's happening. You know, to me, I, he got involved at WrestleMania. And I even said it then. I was like, I get it. Just, that's it. It's over. Don't get involved with our stuff anymore. And it's one of those things where people ask, like, well, you guys used to be friends. How could you do that? I always ask everybody the same question. If a friend of yours does something to a family member, what do you do? That's what he did. I, I was defending my family, you know, and in the moment I didn't see my friend. I didn't see Bad Bunny, the music star. I saw somebody that I had to lay out and, and put in their place to defend my family. And that's all that was. Now, what happened afterwards and the, the aftermath has been wild. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't uh, expecting all that, but, you know, I'll take it all, I'll, you know, and uh, use it to my advantage. Hey, Damien. You mentioned protecting Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny, do you feel he's thinking, well, I have a victory at WrestleMania. I competed in the Royal Rumble. I can do this. But he's forgetting about what you did for him. He's forgetting about who you are today as the punishment of the judgment day he's gone up against. He's forgetting about what you do, who you are. (laughs) Yes. So, look, he's had success in the WWE. But because I was watching his back, I was, to your point, I was his protector, right? Like, I felt like that entire like year when he was around, I was playing protector, making sure he didn't get hurt. And, you know, if someone has stepped up to him, I was the one to stand in front of them, you know? And now I think he has to be confused, man. And he, he's definitely uh, confused his fans because they actually believe that he has a shot of like beating me up or something. This is what I do. I hurt professional athletes. He is not a professional athlete. I don't know what he expects out of this match. I, I, I know it's for him a dream to have a singles match and it's in Puerto Rico and, and a premium live event. And it all sounds cool on paper, but I'm going to bust him up. Like I'm going to hit him hard. I'm going to hurt him. He's going to be injured. You know, when, when the undertaker towards the end of his career, he, he told me once that he would wrestle once a year because he needed a whole year to recover. That's the undertaker. How long do you think that Bunny's going to need to recover? If he ever recovers. Like, this is not going to go the way he thinks. He's, this is not going to be a good day for Bad Bunny. Uh, I'm coming in, and I'm not going to treat him like a, like a music artist. He, deci- he, he made this match, a street fight at that. I don't know what he expects, but I'm, treat- I'm going to treat him like I would any other WWE superstar. And I'm going to do it in a street fight in Puerto Rico. It's to hold another level of violence, and he's not ready for it. I were bad bunny. I would heed that warning with all of the caution I could possibly muster. We're talking about Puerto Rico. I mean, this is going to be a San Juan street fight. I, I referenced it briefly on Monday Night Raw. This is the island that gave us WWE Hall of Famer Carlos Colon. You think back to Abdullah the Butcher, some of the Bruiser Brody, the names that have come through that are iconic on that island. Do you think Bunny understands the magnitude of what he stepped into? I mean, this is nuts. Like. I'm not sure if he understands it. He can't or else he would not have made the decision that he made. I I really believe that he looks at himself in the mirror and he's not thinking about what's going to happen. He's thinking about the idea of this. It sounds cool. It sounds awesome. I get to show off in front of my fans. Everybody's going to be so happy. I get to perform in front of my, my, my family no, he's not looking at what's going to happen. What's going to happen is he's going to get in the ring and I'm going to beat the living hell out of him. Um, and I'm not going to feel bad. I'm, and again, I, I, if anything, I'm probably going to come at him harder than I would another superstar just because out of spite. You know, and I said this before, I, I, I'm not going to his concerts, getting on stage, grabbing the mic 
and, and starting to sing his songs. But yet he thinks he could get in a ring and, and fight like I do. You're crazy. You're crazy if you think that that's just going to fly and it's going to be okay. He's crazy to think that just because we were cool, that maybe that, that I'm not going to hurt him as bad. He's not walking out of the arena. He is not walking out. Well, Damien, we did see him confront you a couple of weeks ago on Raw. This is a San Juan street fight where anything goes. And he kind of put you in your place a little bit on Raw with a kendo stick. So he brought a stick, right? Okay, now what happens when I could grab one? What happens when I put him through a table? Then a second one, a third one. What happens when I put him through the ground? Yes, he hit me with the, with, the, with the stick a bunch of times. It stung. Yeah, he marked me up. I looked like I got a bunch of mosquito bites. Cool. Watch when I smack him in his face and his whole face lights up like a Christmas tree. I'm not worried about it. KP, sounds like you're going to have to make a new playlist after Backlash. Uh, all your bad bunny might have to, to be uh, in memoriam. It's going to be historic music because there's going to be nothing else coming from bad bunny. <laughs> this, <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> that felt good to say. <laughs> it felt good. That was a catharsis right there. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Priest, I got to ask you, after, let's say, so obviously Backlash, massive matchup, knowing now that Judgment Day is exclusive to Monday Night Raw in the wake of the draft, uh, you've got to have some new goals on the horizon. What are the odds uh, you have plans for post-backlash? Oh, they, you know what? We've, we've talked about it for a while, and we've talked about championships. And we haven't really attacked that, that side of the business yet where we're specifically focusing on championships. And I think, I think we're there now. You know, we're putting everybody behind us. Edge, Ray, LWO, everybody got drafted to SmackDown. Clean slate. Yeah, that chapter can close. Now we could redirect our focus. And that was the only reason why we had him. We knew we wanted to build up enough momentum that we weren't just handed anything. We wanted to earn our, our place and handle our ongoing business. And I think we're there now. And now we can change our focus. We got a brand new, beautiful championship coming to Monday Night Raw. We got the tag team champions on Raw. We got an intercontinental champion on Raw. Rhea's got hers. I think the boys need theirs. I love that, man. I just just thinking of the possibilities, KP. Think of the priest and Gunther, man. Like that. Tell me you don't want to see that. <laughs> no, hundred oh, yeah. percent. And you guys, you guys push each other individually, right? Like it's not a case of being selfish and saying I want to be world heavyweight champion, right? Like that's something Damian Priest has in mind. Of course, we all want to be the champ, and we all understand that we all want it and we all agree that we all should want it and whoever gets it gets it and that and we'll support them and and have their back because that's what we do but we need to all want to be the best and i think that's why the judgment day is where they're where they're at you know none of us think uh anybody's better than the next we're all just trying to be the best that we can be and push each other to, to do that. So if I'm pushing Finn Balor to be the, his best and he's pushing Dominic to be his best, and Dominic's pushing me and, and Rhea and everybody, how could we fail? We're all the best. You mentioned Rhea. It was no surprise to anybody that Rhea was drafted number one to Monday Night Raw. What can you say about Rhea Ripley's progression, the SmackDown Women's Champion and how she simply wowed the world over the past few years, but particularly in the last year? Greatest woman wrestler of all time. That's where I'm at with Rhea. And I know it's, it was, oh, it's a little early. Why? She's, what title hasn't she won yet, as far as when the women's go? Who on, the, on this planet can stand in front of her and challenge her for that title? And you really think that they're just going to have their way with her? Not one person on this entire planet. It doesn't matter who it is. Rhea Ripley is the best. And I don't think there's anybody in the history of this business that, that could dominate her. That's who Rhea Ripley is to me. And watching her grow, the same thing I said for Dom goes for Rhea. Proud, excited, just love the idea that I get to sit here right next to her and see all this magic and history happen. I mean, it's history because when it's all said and done, I, I, I hope I'm a part of her induction of the, into the Hall of Fame. I, I, I hope that, you know, I, I'm there for every milestone that she's going to accomplish. Rhea Ripley is the epitome of what a superstar in this business is. I love that. I, you will get no argument from me. We've been singing the praises of Rhea and her match with Charlotte at WrestleMania here on this podcast. For my, for my money, one of the best WrestleMania matches ever. Stole the show. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. Easy stole the show. So you got a big night ahead of you on Backlash. You one-on-one -on -one with Bad Bunny in a San Juan street fight. Rhea's defending her championship. Let's say everything goes the Judgment Day's way, which is not out of the realm of possibility because you guys have been red hot recently. 
How does the Judgment Day celebrate a big night at Backlash on the island of Puerto Rico? Oh, man, I already got situations set up. <laughs> a situation, not plans, KP. He's got a situation set up. It's going oh, down. Yeah. Multiple situations. Yeah, we're, we're ready to go. I, I, I mean, I already started, you know, you know, I had to, you know, do research. So I've already started. That's why I came to the island a little early. But um, no, um, we're, we're <laughs> I mean, we're in Puerto Rico. We're in the Caribbean on an island, like, what can't we do? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a whole island. It's going to be a party that the whole island will enjoy. Hey, Damien, we hear your New York accent, but you were raised in Puerto Rico. Tell us what Puerto Rico means to you and when you first moved to Puerto Rico as a young child. So being from Puerto Rico, like from, from the scent of, of Puerto Rican blood, like there's something, there's a pride that comes with that. You know, and it's like a, like a duty to have that pride. Uh, that Latino, Puerto Rican, like, you know, you see the shirt, I have tattoos of the flag. I mean, that's just common, <laughs> uh, just being a Puerto Rican, you know, the, and being back on the island, having this event here, uh, being raised here, <sighs> ah, man, it, it's all special. But my time here is, is just, this is where I fell in love with wrestling. Um, you know, wrestling is is like religion here. Uh, and Growing up, watching it with my buddies, um, playing with the action figures, um, I knew then that this is what I wanted to do with my life. Like the feeling I got from watching these superheroes and supervillains, like I was like, I want to be that. I want somebody to feel what I feel right now, but be watching me, you know, one day, whether it's good or bad. And, you know, you guys know me. I like being the bad guy. So uh, I very much like being the supervillain. Um, and, and this is where I get to in real life, get to live out a superhero fantasy, you know, like a comic book life. Uh, and it's, it's the coolest thing. And I got to, and that started here in Puerto Rico. Like, this is where I got that love. You know, the island helped me find that, that path. And uh, forever grateful. And I think it's important for everybody to know, going into this match against Bad Bunny, that in real life, down the road, Benito is watching WWE as well. Both of you from Vega Baja, which is not far from San Juan at all. In fact, your families are intertwined, correct? Yeah, my aunt was uh, his brother's like middle school teacher, and uh, you know he knows her. He knows her very well. Bad Bunny does, um, and so yeah, it's crazy. We we both fell in love with this business in the same town. We have family members that have that knew each other way before we did. Um, it, it, the, the the similarities and the, the the things in common are crazy. It's a small world, even smaller island. Uh, and I remember when we first met that we talked about these things and we were like, really from there? Oh, you knew this person? What? And it was just wild that we never knew this till we met. Uh, and that's probably why we became friends in the first place. Uh, and then again, I think sometimes, you know, success obviously changes people. And I think the wrestling success got to him more than his music success and changed the way he was. And now, like I said, like he believes that he's a WWE superstar. Stupid. But are you prepared for, for the entirety of the audience and crowd in Puerto Rico to be behind Bad Bunny and booing you? Look, I get it. He's, you know, he's very popular. But I, I don't think it's going to be as 100% to 0% as everybody expects it to be. I've been here for a day and a half, and all I hear in the street and everything is like, beat up Bad Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's a wrestle to your point earlier. It's like a religion on the island, man. This business is is very. It's got a great stronghold and so so much history in Puerto Rico. There's probably a lot of people who are going, yeah, we want to see the wrestler beat the music guy's butt. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like he's going to have a, obviously a large number of fans. We all know that, but this is still a WWE event, and I am the WWE superstar. He's the outsider here, so I, I expect to pe people to be on my side. But regardless, it doesn't change the fact that when he gets in the ring. I'm going to knock his teeth down his throat. Getting cheered or booed makes no difference. The cheers will not help him. The boos will not stop me. So it, 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 it won't affect me whatsoever. It doesn't affect me any other week on Raw, any other week on SmackDown, any other week on any premium live event. I'm always me. I'm always the punishment of the judgment day. I'm always Damian Priest. And he's going to receive his punishment. Be very, very quiet. He's hunting bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky I didn't bring my bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Priest, 
Good luck this Saturday at Backlash, man. Enjoy it. Uh, win, lose, or draw. It's going to be a very special night for everybody involved. I can't wait to see what you do to Bad Bunny. Where can the ATB faithful uh, find you on social media? Oh, at Archer of Infamy you know, on all you know, on all the platforms. Uh, at Archer of Infamy DP for, for uh, my new TikTok. There we go. Keep your eyes on the punishment of the Judgment Day. And make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Listen for free wherever you get your podcast. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Full episodes of ATB will be on the official WWE YouTube channel every Monday. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. Hey, Priest, what are the odds you can get me one of those bunny foot keychains as a souvenir after Backlash? You know. Oh, there's going to be collector's items. <laughs> Love it, man. See you there. You got it.